All right, Wild Chat Sports Podcast uh, number 18. I'm with the legend himself, Eric Legrand. Uh, Eric, thanks for taking the time today, man. I really appreciate it. One of the most inspiring individuals I've ever met. So, uh, you know, I'm super pumped to have you on our podcast today, man. Thanks, Kev. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, getting into it, um, so, you know, I, I met you at the Montclair uh, digital social event uh, a few months back. And, uh, you know, you, you gave this, uh, you, were, you were the keynote speaker at this event. And, you know, once you spoke, man, I was like, man, this is, this is one of the, like, this is one of the realest stories I've ever heard. I mean, this is someone that, that really like, you know, inspires and, and, you know, through his actions. I mean, you just felt it, man. You could, I, I told my, I, I was telling you before this, I, you know, I gave a presentation. We'll get to this in a little bit about, uh, your business, uh, role model 52. And, uh, you know, I, I was telling him, you know, yeah, when, when I met, when I met Eric, man, like you, you, you can't even hear, like you can hear a pin drop. Like, it, it, I mean, everyone, everyone's listen, bro. So, uh, super pumped to have my boy Eric on the podcast today. So, Eric, um, obviously your your story, um, you know, you, you uh, we'll get to it in a little bit. Um, you know, you, you grew a passion for the game of football. Um, you know, tell us maybe a little bit about your childhood or, or what was high school was like. All started with kill the man with the balls on the side of my house. And from there, I realized, you know, I was pretty good at sports. And my mom and my whole family were all athletes. So they wanted to get me involved. And I signed up for football. And there was nothing like getting that adrenaline rush of being able to score a touchdown. It was was special. So I grew up playing baseball, football, and basketball. I actually thought that baseball was going to be my call. And I was a pitcher, center fielder. I loved the game of baseball. Mm. But... I got offered as a freshman after playing three games of varsity my freshman year in high school to go to a Division One college at the time, which was Rutgers. They were my first offer. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm going to focus on football. This is going to be where, where it's going to take me. It was my favorite sport, too. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome, yeah. man. So, so what what was um, your family and friends' reaction when you picked Rutgers? You know, how hyped were they for you? Oh, oh they were very happy. They yeah. were excited that they knew that they could come see me play. So, um, you know, so that was ultimately, you know, what made you make that decision, you know, uh, you know, two years before as a recruit, you know, you were just buying in on Rutgers. You knew right away. Yeah, Coach Shiano gave a great pitch to us and he told me what stuck with me still to this day is he treats all of his players like they're his kids. Mm-hmm. And there was no better example of that than after my injury, what he did for me. And he was always there for me and still is. So. He was a man of his word, and he told me the day that I committed to him, he said, when a man gives their word, they keep their word. And it's, and it's the final deal. And I said, Coach, you have my word. I'm committed. Wow. I, I have the chills, man. So, um, 
know, it, you know, as, as you just mentioned in 2008, head coach Greg Schiano, um, he actually started playing you on special teams, I believe. And then, um, you know, as a true freshman, um, your first game was against the Tar Heels. Uh, what's going on in your head as, as you play your first uh, game of Division One football? Was there any stress? Was there more excitement? Uh, yeah, it, it was different. I'll tell you, it was different than playing for my high school, Colonia High School, public school here in New Jersey, that going and playing in front of at that time, it was like, you know, 45, 50,000 people in the stadium. And I'm not going to lie to you, we got absolutely destroyed that first game. <laughs> and I actually got in and got some playing time. Man. <laughs> I... I, I, that game, I actually played defensive end, and I was, at the time, I was 6'2", 235 pounds, baby. Wow. And I get in, I'm going up against this tackle who's 6'7", 330. Jesus. I what? I'm not going to lie to you. I was just trying to survive. It was, it was not a great experience my first time. So Yo, I, man. To, I got thrown into the fire. Coach, the coaching staff threw me into the fire. And I had to find <laughs> Yo, that's brutal, man. I would have dipped hella quick. I wouldn't even <laughs> I wouldn't even be close, bro. I'm like 80 pounds and I would have gotten freaking squashed on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious, man. Um so you know, I mean, this is this is when you know you really uh, your your story is so inspiring, you know. Uh, really one of the most motivational speakers I've ever Matt, it's crazy. I mean, anyone that's listening right now, you got to hear this. Uh, this man, Eric Legrand, speak in person. It's incredible. Um, and, and you know, getting to it, uh, October sixteenth in, in a game against Army, um, you, you suffered the injury in the fourth quarter, um, which was the collision um, with Army's kickoff returner Malcolm Brown. Uh, you know, within that game, do you do you remember? Like anything after that hit, do you do you remember the feeling of uh, in the locker room or? Well, I went. I, I went. I got right to the hospital. Went right to the hospital. Man, mm-hmm. I was laying on that turf, and uh, they had to cart me off and they put me in the ambulance and took me to the hospital. Honestly, it was the scariest moment of my life because I couldn't move and I couldn't breathe. Yeah. On that football field, I thought I was going to die. I thought my life was over, and Jeez. this was going to be this was going to be it for me. And uh, through the grace of God, I'm still here. But honestly, that was the scariest moment of my life laying down on that 25 yard line at MetLife Stadium. Oh my gosh, man! I mean, you're a true warrior, man. I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, do you remember like preparing for that game that day? You- yeah, dude. I went through my normal routine. I would, I got dressed. I would always go out before the game was. Before the game stuff played, like during the pregame moments, I would go out there and throw, throw the football around. You know, get warmed up a little bit, and it's funny because that game, actually, one of the videographers had to, came up to me and asked me a question, and it's kind of eerie to see. But I always play the video before I speak at like businesses, corporations, and schools. I play a little five-minute video for us, an introductory video, and it has that part in it. And it says, "It's Eric Legrand. We're out here at MetLife Stadium, yeah. ready to go. We're going to keep on chopping all day." And that was. The, you know, like the last thing I said on camera before mm. my injury happened. Mm. Um, you know, just des- describe, uh, you know, the, the recovery process. I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, uh, you know, what you, you must, you know, what was the support like amongst your friends and family? Um, because the school really rallied um, and, and really supported 
um, you throughout this process, and, and you're you're really like a like you're you're like a Rutgers hero, man. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the support, honestly. It's what's got me to where I am today. Not only Rutgers, Rutgers has been amazing in my family, my friends, but I've met so many now people from this injury that know me, who who I am, and the entire world, man. It kind kind of made me take this on as a responsibility. Like I'm like all these people are looking up to me, wishing me well going out of their way to send me kind messages how can I give up on them mm. what is this going to be like how, how can I let all these people down that are rooting for me and pushing me and I've always been that type of person where I can't if I let somebody down or something like that or somebody gets upset with me because I didn't do my job or something that it sits with me and it bothers me all night and it, and it really messes with my mind so and that's why when, I, when all these people were supporting me I'm like jeez I gotta start fighting. I gotta grind, but I'm built for this. I was made for this. And right. That's what kept. That's what kept me going. All that. All that support because I knew I could not let all those people down. And still to this day, I can't. Mm. I mean, you know, it's incredible, man. I mean, I, I one thing I so at that uh, digital social event back in December where I met you, uh, I remember I asked you a question. I was like, "How do you keep faith during you know th- this difficult time, etc." And uh, you know, one thing that really stuck with me, man, and I remember telling, you know, a lot of my friends about this, like, this was crazy to me. You know, you talked about, like, perspective, um, and, and you were saying you, you knew someone, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that had a similar kind of injury uh, and, and didn't only had a nurse once a week where you had one every day, uh, something along those lines. Can, can you just re- reemphasize that for our listeners? I mean, it was one of the crazy, I mean, it was really awesome, man. Absolutely, I've been very blessed. My, uh, you know, nurses, nurses aid. I've been nurse for sixteen hours. I mean, aid for sixteen hours a day, and a nurse for three hours. And my one good friend Ingrid, who I met at uh, Kessler, we we became close friends. She doesn't come from the same you know situation I came from. Getting her playing college football, she was born and raised in the inner city of Jersey City, New Jersey, which is you know not the best. Some most of it is not the best of places, and she was born from an immigrant mom who moved here to try to make a living. And she lives in a one-bedroom apartment with seven other people that live in there with a young daughter. Mm. And she barely, she gets a, a nurse once a week to come in and help her out. And she has to rely on her family to do the rest. And her elevator breaks, she said, a lot of the time in the building that three months at a time where that she can actually get outside. And you hear stuff like that. And as you just mentioned, that word perspective. Mm. Let's put things into perspective on our life on how bad we truly do have it. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, man, like that really stuck with me because you know I think for our generation, you know, depression, anxiety, all these things, um, you know, that are that are coming back up with you know within you know the, our youth, uh, you know, it's it's one of those main problems. But when you brought up perspective, like that, just changed, you know, really everything for me and and from. For, for you to be saying that, um, you know, it, it was incredible, man. So um, I, I appreciate you sharing that for our audience. Um, so, you know, you talked about your relationship with Greg Schiano. Um, what's your relationship like with uh, Schiano today? Sounds pretty awesome now that he's back at Rutgers, you know. It was uh, four months ago, it was a rough process trying to get him back here, but He's the best man for the job at Rutgers and to take over the job right now. So I've actually been talking to him quite frequently now, which is pretty cool, mm. you know, to stay in touch with him. I, got, I get to see the other side of him now because as a player, 
you see him as coach. You know what I mean? That's, right, that's right, coach right. right there. And he always has to set the standard and the energy of the room. So you see him and address him as coach. And now I get to see him as like a not like a colleague, as a, the other side of him, which is pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome to see, you know, especially since the, he's the type of coach when he walks in the room, you sit there, you go chest up, back tight, make sure your shirt is tucked in and you look him straight in the eye. That's the type of, that's like right. the, the respect he demands when he comes to the room. Yeah. And now, you know, I get to see the other side of him, like the jokester side, you know, him having a good time. <laughs> and he's also grown too from where he was when he was here. Mm. Was eight, eight, nine years ago. So mm. it's pretty awesome now. Uh, you know, I, I'm just curious. Uh, do, do you have you reached back? Uh, have you stayed in touch with uh, Army's kickoff returner, Malcolm Brown? Have, have you guys? I mean, have you guys talked since that uh, circumstance at all? Or oh yeah, we actually became really close friends for a little bit. You know, mm. he, he started to come to my birthday, and because in the very beginning, he actually felt terrible because he felt like it was his fault and I remember when I first talked to him I said listen man I'm the one who tackled you you didn't do it you were running the ball it's not your fault at all mm-hmm. like things like that so I, I tell him that and I put him at ease and I got to meet him and we went up to um to see Army's campus and a few of his players came down to see Rutgers campus it was pretty cool and then the coolest part of it all back in 2014 Right before I graduated college and was about to give a commencement speech, I get a text message from him. And it says, hey, Eric, I'm stationed out in South Korea right now. But I wanted to let you know that I use your inspiration and motivation every day to lead the cadets that I'm leaving out here into serving and protecting our country. I think about you every day and I'm here for you. And I want you to know that your inspiration is rubbing off on all the people that I'm surrounded around. And I'm like, yo. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I was like, Yo. That, that was awesome. That Yo. Was, that was awesome. Wow, man. That's insane. That's crazy, man. Um, yeah, I mean, that your story is incredible, man. I mean, I'm just sitting here like in awe, like trying to think of next question. Like, this is crazy. Um, you know, so just just in general, uh, you know, you, you kept fighting. You talk about keep fighting, keep pushing. Um, you know, you continue taking classes after the injury correct via Skype uh, you kept going to practice you kept going to practices uh, to, to visit teammates um, and to to this day you do um, you know you stay still stay in touch with Rutgers uh, you're a motivational speaker um, and we'll get to some other achievements in, in two minutes as well um, but but in terms of motivational speaking how, how did you get into that? Vegas at the Pfizer sales meeting. Jeez. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So it just it just took off from there, being able to relate with people and me just show how genuine I am. I love to come off being real. What you see is what you get with me. I don't well, yeah, I don't right. for anything. This is who I am and this is my story. Yeah, no man, it's it's awesome. So I mean so just like that, like how was the transition in the motivational speaking? So you didn't feel overwhelmed whatsoever? You were just you were just able to talk to 50,000 people and just boom. I want to like you and just like before a football game, I, before I speak, I get the butterflies. Right. Every time before I go out there, I learned from a sports broadcaster here in New York, Bruce Beck told me, if you don't get the butterflies before you go out there and speak or do what you do, then it's not for you. And before mm. I do that, before I speak, I still get the butterflies because you want to go out there and you want to give it your best and you want to do your best and leave. Yeah. And impression. So I do get nervous before, but once I start telling my story, that's it. I just start flowing. Yeah, 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 man. It's incredible. Uh, I, I remember at the um, at the event, you, you talked about uh, figures like Inky Johnson and, and uh, I believe Eric Thomas. Were, were those two yeah. figures that had an impact on you telling your story as well? Yeah, I you know. Listening to those two, my God. No, you do, bro. You do. You don't realize it. You you got that, bro. Don't worry. You definitely do. I'm talking about being able to voice and like yell and scream like like ET does. Like that stuff gets you all fired up and ready to go. But those guys have been big mentors, especially you know Eric Thomas. I got to speak with him, take some of his classes, and learn from him. Been to his event. What a what a great great job he's just doing in this world uh, how competitive he is and what difference he wants to make in that Hickey Johnson you know similar story football player with a paralyzing injury and then you hear how he speaks and how he articulates his words and and, um, and the stuff that he is saying to people and you know you're just blown away right. you, know? I'm just like, you know what I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to follow my moguls and be just like that with my words. No, yeah, and and dude, like it's showing. I mean, really, like I could see a s- similar in in delivery, like how you and Inky do it. Like you really relate to the audience, and it's like, man, like shit. Like I'm really thinking right now. Like you know, like yeah, I don't know. It's really inspiring, man. So um, really appreciate it. Um, so so once. Uh, you know, you talk about, you know, the public speaking and your story really got out there. You share, um, you know, through the Rutgers community. And then, you know, you talk about traveling to Vegas and all these other places, speaking in front of companies. Uh, ultimately, ESPN heard about your story and you end up winning the Jimmy V Perseverance Award uh, at the ESPYs. That's the award to get. Um in sports, man. I mean, it, so I mean, can you talk about that day when you received word that you were gonna receive this award? Oh man, I was actually on the way to the barbershop to get a haircut. <laughs> yeah, and, you know the guy who represented me at the time, my, my sports broadcasting agent, called me up, and he goes, "Hey, Eric." And I'm like, "Scott on said." He goes, "Yeah." Well, I just heard it from the ESPN. Guess what? I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> they want to give you the Jimmy V. Espy Award this year for perseverance. Wow. I said, wait, what? He said, yeah, you were nominated and you won. I was like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in the middle of the haircut, man. All of a sudden, man, it's like, wow. That's like the best award to get in, in all the sports. I was on sports. cloud nine, man. I was on cloud nine. And I remember I was like, I need 50 tickets. I need everybody. <laughs> Of course, I had to get 50 tickets, but yeah, I got yeah. to 
Temple, get my family and friends out there, and and we we had we had a blast. And the funny part about it is because when I first got there, people were looking at me, and some people kind of knew like, oh yeah, the football player, blah blah blah. But once I spoke and everything, and after I spoke, there's an after party. Mm. And my God, I couldn't go five steps without somebody stopping me. And wow. I remember that telling me how such inspiration you are. And then the Gronkowski brothers yeah, uh, yeah. Comes, running, comes running up to me. Yeah. Like, Yo, E, what's going on? <laughs> my friend came with some shots. And I, and I threw one back. He goes, wait, you can drink? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you laugh loud. He Actually, you know, we're throwing tequila shots. Yo, yeah. <laughs> man, the ESPYs are lit, bro. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. I mean, so what So what were some other figures that came up? I mean, you mentioned the Gronkowskis. I mean, I can only imagine they're like hardcore partiers. So that's hilarious. But yeah, the, the, the ESPYs, you know, LeBron James shouted me out. I believe they were, were they, at the, they may have, were they at the Olympics? Yes, they were at the Olympics at the time getting ready for the Olympics. And he shouted me out right after I spoke. You know, Swiss Beats is out there. The first two people, I mean, three people I see when I went up there to speak in the front row was Eli Manning. Mm. Uh, it was Eli Manning, Tim Tebow, and Kenny Chesney. What? Exactly. What? I in the front row. And I remember when I got up there, I was like, all right, E, do not look at the front row anymore. Just move towards the back of the screen. Because I didn't want to start looking to see like, Oh, this person's here. Oh, oh that person's here. Oh, this person's here. So yeah. Like, so towards the back and start speaking. Yo, what? Adam, that's like the most obscure, like, front yeah, row, Kenny Chesney. Yeah, yeah. How do you get that, bro? You, you must have paid a high bid for that one, but. Uh, yeah, he, was, he was in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, so did you feel overwhelmed going up on that stage and, and, and you know, giving, you know, arguably the speech of your life? No, my, my two. My two best friends were more overwhelmed than I am. They were bothering me the whole day because I said, I don't write anything down before I speak. Like, I don't write stuff down. I come really? to the top of the dome with wow. everything. Uh, what? I know where I'm going. I plan to be at my event. I come off the dome. And I was telling them, they're like, hey, you don't write, you're not going to write anything down for the ESPYs? I'm like, no, man. I'm going to speak my mind. From my mind. And now I'm like, nah, you, you got to write something down. No way. No, I'm like, guys, I'm fine. I'll be what? all right. Bro, you what? You did that at the top, like off the top of your head, like. Off- I, I do all my speeches off the top of my head, just like what wow. you said. That night was off the top of my head. Bro, how did I would have been tweaking? I don't know how you. How, I don't know how. I don't know how you keep your cool, bro. I would have been. I would have been tweaking, bro. Damn. I was taught that You gotta learn to be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Comfortable being uncomfortable. Remember that. No, absolutely, man. Appreciate. It. I'll keep that keep that in mind as well and, and you know you talk about you know all these influential figures and reaching out to you and keeping in touch um just a time check whenever you have to leave um i only have like two more questions um but yeah thank, are you all good are you or do you have to head out or no yeah well yeah if you got one more question i can do that okay sweet um so you know usa women's soccer team uh how do you you know, they, you met with them a couple weeks back. I think I saw it on your uh, social media. Uh, h- how did you stay in touch with them? Did they just hear about your story too? It was just word of mouth. And no, those, those are my homies. I met them back, geez, right after they won the World Cup in yeah. 2011. Wow. I met them in 2012 when my story was really blowing up. Yeah. You know, I, I reached out to Carly Lloyd on Twitter 
Wow. And we be, and we developed a relationship, and she invited me out to practice mm. when they were practicing at Princeton University. I met them back then. So I've always been a big fan of her. I met them throughout the years and talked to them on social media. Yeah. I was at the, I remember being at the Aspies in 2013 uh, party with Alex Morgan and Sidley. Okay, I see you. Yeah, man. I see you. I see you. All right. So, yeah, so when I got so on every, every time they come to New Jersey, I try to get out there and I'm in a PR team from, from, from the U.S. Women's National Team. Yeah. So, you know, clear and let me come out and I. No, that's awesome, man. Eric, I mean, you've accomplished so much. I mean, you know, the, the Buccaneers uh, signed you as well. So you achieved your NFL dream. Uh, you're a WWE Hall of Famer. Number 52 is retired by Rutgers. You win the Jimmy V Perseverance Award, as mentioned. You start your own business, Role Model 52, uh, and, you know, uh, so, so what, ultimately, what do you want to be remembered for, and what, what do you want your legacy to be? My legacy, I want it to be left as, so a person who never gave up, through the first event, face of adversity, he was able to fight through it all, mm. I had some tremendous support system behind him, people that loved and cared for him dearly, as he loved and cared for, cared for them dearly as well. Mm. And someone who was not going to let circumstances dictate my outcome, man. Just overall was a genuine, real person, and that's what I want to be known. Left at, when I leave this earth, I want to be known as that someone, just as a superhero type. It's incredible, man. Eric, thank you so much for stopping by. Really appreciate it, man. Um, also, want to congratulate you on you sold last time I checked for for my presentation. You sold fifteen hundred shirts. And raise more than thirty thousand dollars for spinal cord research uh, within Role Model Fifty Two. Uh, incredible, man! You continue to inspire. Uh, I'm gonna spread the word, bro, on campus when I get back there about Role Model Fifty Two as well. Um, so, Eric Legrand, everybody, a legend. Um, thanks for stopping by, and hope you stay uh, safe during this uh, crazy time, man. Keep inspiring. Thank you, my man. You as well. All right, peace out, bro. From the sweet life of Zach and Cody and the sweet life on Drake Bell here. It's your girl Camille Costek. Shuma Gavin in the house. Shoe nice again. Lay Howard from the Los Angeles Lakers. This is CeeLo Green. To follow at Wild Chat Sports. 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 Peace. Wild Chat Sports, man. Check it out. Hello.